Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, so good to uh, have Pastor Sam here. We also have uh, a couple other guests from out of town. Um, Joe and Jenny Lutz, uh, they were here, uh, but they left. They had a flight to catch at noon. They went back to China. Uh, they were staying with uh, Aaron and I at our place. Uh, our brother Jazz is also here. Uh, flew in. Be sure to say hi. He's um, stationed in Germany right now. Our sister Angel as well, who who's serving on the praise team. and She's right now studying at Fuller Seminary in California. And she's also uh, pastoring uh, junior high ministry there. And uh, hallelujah. Be sure to uh, just say hi and, and bless her and pray for her as well. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise God. Hallelujah. Let me, let me preach the word of God to you all today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First of all, I want you all to turn to Isaiah 62. And I want to, I want to look at it, a verse that God's Spirit put on my heart. Isaiah 62, verses, verse 5. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. Isaiah 62, verse 5. It says, for as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. We're talking a lot about marriage today, huh? And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Hallelujah. And we saw yesterday, clearly, our brother Brian rejoicing over his bride, Jenny. I mean, he was just so full of joy. Amen, bro? Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, but I, I believe this verse is also uh, pertaining to our church particularly. I believe that God is uh, speaking these words over our church. Actually, I want to look at verses 2 to 5 together. Look at verse 2. It's very interesting. Verse 2 says, The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe that right now, that God is giving our church this new name. And it's coming from His mouth. Hallelujah. We'll always be JSCM. And wherever we go in the world, we, you know, we have friends, alumni that are from our church. You know, we'll always be JSCM. And we are Jerusalem those English ministry. But God is giving us this new name. And I, and I realized, I, I kept thinking of it as a change in name. But I noticed that Samonim thought of it differently. Samonim said... Uh, don't think of it that way. It's not a change in the name. God's giving you a new name. And this ministry uh, was just, you know, pretty much for lack of a better name. We were just calling ourselves the English ministry of Jair Songo. Right? But God's giving us this new name from His mouth. Hallelujah. And He's saying, the nations shall see your righteousness. And all the kings, your glory. I believe that God's going to really build this church up and use us into the nations. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, or Hephzeba, and your land Beulah, which is Hebrew for married. For the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. So shall your God 
rejoice over you. Do you receive that, brothers and sisters? New Philadelphia, do you receive that? Hallelujah. And it's kind of eerie that Pastor Sam kept emphasizing marriage today. Perhaps there is a marriage anointing, hallelujah, that's dropping in this, in this place today. And if you are of married age and you're in your season, just lift your hands and receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Later on, we're going to play Family Feud. And we had, one of the questions was, who's the most eligible bachelor at our church? Uh, we'll see what the survey says. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's given us a new name because he's, 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 he's taking us up to another level. Now look at Genesis chapter 22. This is the uh, text from which I'm going to preach today. Genesis chapter 22. Now I'm going to continue preaching a series called Developing Your Sense of Call. You know, knowing God's will for your life is basic and central to your Christianity. And many people say they want to follow God's will and they say what they want to know what it is. But God knows that talk is cheap. You may say that you want to know His will, but God knows that men may say, but man does not always obey. The problem is never a matter of information, of you finding out something. The problem is your sense of call is lacking. Your commitment to what He does reveal is lacking. And that's why I'm preaching this series on developing your sense of call, not discovering God's will for your life. It's called developing your sense of call. You know, finding out the details of God's call for your life is very important, but an unwavering commitment and a glad obedience to that call, no matter what the details are, is of greater importance. Amen? Amen. Thus, developing a sense of call is of higher priority in God's eyes than revealing the details of your call. Hallelujah. And if God can develop your sense of call for a particular assignment, it won't matter what the details are. You will fulfill and complete that assignment no matter how hard it gets, no matter how much you're attacked, no matter what anyone says, no matter what the devil throws at you, no matter how much discouragement you receive, you're going to fulfill it if you have a sense of call. Hallelujah. So that's what I'm preaching on. That's a big topic. And what was the first sermon? What was that about? Everybody say, first things first. Now, if you want to develop a call, a, a sense of call for your life, you got to learn how to keep first things first. Amen? Amen? You got to know that God doesn't love you because of what you can do for you, do for Him, but He loves you just for who you are. Right? And, and so you got to keep your relationship with Him first, no matter what He assigns you to do. That's always got to be first. Right? Secondly, God is more concerned with who you're becoming than what you can do for Him. And thus, in our hearts, we need to give careful thought to our ways and keep character first. Amen? We got to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And third, God doesn't want you to invent what you can do for Him and make these big, grand sacrifices. He just wants you to obey and do your part right where you are. He's looking for obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. We got to keep obedience first. Hallelujah. And last week, I preached another sermon. What was last week's sermon about? 
Uh, getting under authority. All right, we saw that God develops a person's sense of call and trains a person for the details of his assignment through submission to spiritual authority. We saw that in the life of Samuel. We saw that in the life of David. And unless you get under authority, brothers and sisters, or some people here are also guests, unless you get under authority, if you keep church hopping, you keep dating the church all your life, you don't get under authority, you don't get involved, you don't learn how to submit and work with people, you will find it difficult to fulfill God's call for your life. You see, Satan has twisted authority in our minds. He's twisted authority from day one. And he's still doing that in our, in our lives. And perhaps through a, a bad relationship with your father, perhaps yours, your, the way you view authority is not healthy. But you know, our God can heal that. Okay. Just because there's an abuse of authority, the answer is not no authority. All right? It's the right use of authority. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You may be driven to do things for Him, but His favor, His anointing, and His call will be missing. It will be a mystery to you unless you get under authority. Now today, I'm going to preach a third installment in this series. Look with me to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. The Word of God says, After these things, God tested Abraham. Let's stop right there. Hallelujah. In order to develop your sense of call, the Lord will test you. The Lord will test you. Hallelujah. This message is going to speak to some people here today. In a sermon back in January, I talked about how God utilizes tests. Because there's many benefits. Tests, they solidify our faith. Tests, they deepen our maturity. But did you know that God also uses tests to develop your sense of call? To develop your sense of purpose? God's plan for your life? He utilizes tests to develop His call for your life. Your sense of His call for your life. Hallelujah. So in our passage today, we study the uh, life of Abraham. And Abraham is a man called by God. Abraham knew that God had called him to be a father to many nations. Hallelujah. And God had given him all these wonderful promises and blessings. And just God just gave him a mighty call and told him, get out, out of where you are and go to the place that I'll show you. Hallelujah. Abraham was a man that was called by God. But you see, Abraham lacked a sense of call. Abraham lacked a sense of call. And that's why God, what did he do? He tested. He tested Abraham. Hallelujah. And this is, this is not something that we like. This is not something that we like. We don't like it when God uses tests to develop our sense of call. You know why? Because tests are abrupt. They're abrupt. You're reading in chapter 21, you know. You know, just, you know, yeah, the treaty with Abimelech, oh God protects Hagar and Ishmael, Isaac gets born, you know. You know, there's all these years that, you know, Isaac's now, you know, a young boy. You know, there's all these things. And all of a sudden, 22, God tests him. There's no warning. God doesn't say, Abraham, this is what I'm about to do. No, God just tests him. Just one day comes to him. All right, tests are abrupt. They make us, 
Amen. It's very uncomfortable. T- tests come, and they don't come with a full explanation. Amen. When tests come, God doesn't tell you everything. He just says, you do this. That's it. And you're like, but why, Lord? I'm not going to do it until you tell me why. And God's like, it's not the way it works. Because tests, don't, they don't come with explanations. And we, we don't like tests. We don't like tests. We don't like tests. But you know what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 3? It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In the ESV it says, steadfastness. NIV says, perseverance. I'll take both, thank you very much. Because I'll be testing me. Hallelujah. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And sometimes we pray, Lord... I'm so inconsistent. Lord, give me a steadfast spirit, Lord. Give me a, a, a heart to persevere, Lord, through anything, Lord. Just give me that steadfastness. And when you're praying that, you're pretty much asking for a test. Now, don't stop praying that because I just told you that. Look, steadfastness is still a good thing. Hallelujah. No matter how it comes, it's still a good thing. But the Bible is saying that in the middle of your test, look, don't despise it so much. Don't get so impatient and anxious. Maybe you don't know all the details. And maybe it was abrupt. And maybe you were feeling pretty desperate. But check it out. This testing of your faith is producing steadfastness. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we need steadfastness in the church. Hallelujah. And if all the pre-tribulation rapture people are wrong... We need the church to have perseverance. Because if there's wrong and there is no left behind series and there is no Kirk Cameron going around and, you know, how if you know, if y'all know the Tim LaHaye books, the Jenkins books on left behind, if none of that happens and there, and all these dispensationalist guys and pre-trib rapture guys are wrong and we got to go through seven years of tribulation. The church has to go through seven years of tribulation. Now, I don't think seven years is a long time. I always preach this. It's just a little while. Seven years. Ain't that long. Hallelujah. But in order for us to get through, we need perseverance. Hallelujah. And you know what? How God's going to produce perseverance in His people? He's going to test their faith. He's going to test their faith. Hallelujah. Uh, read with me here. Look at, um, look at verses 2 through 8. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, he said, here I am, here am I, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Now, what I want to take note of in this 
passage in 2 through 8 is, the Bible goes through excruciating detail to tell you what Abraham must have been experiencing on his way to sacrificing his son. Look at all the details, the excruciating details that the Bible says here, right? Right here, Abraham rose in the morning, mentions that he saddled his donkey. What, what, why do they have to mention that? We don't care how he got there. All right, and then there's two of his young men with him. All right, he cut the wood. Well, of course he's going to cut the wood. A, he's got to do a burnt offering, right? I rose to the place where God showed him. And then on the third day, right? It's like the Bible is going through all this painstaking detail to tell you what it was like. Why? Why? Because when you're in the middle of testing, it's hard. So as you read through verses 2 through 8, the Bible is giving you like a lens to, to, feel the, to feel compassion, to empathize with what Abraham must have been feeling leading up to that mountain. I mean, think about it. It's the third day. Think about the first two days, how it must have been for Abraham. Here he is, his, his loved, beloved son. And he bore him. He just birthed him in a very old age. And Isaac's a healthy boy. And Isaac's a good kid, submissive. And the whole time he's looking at the donkey, he's looking at his son, he's looking at his two servants, and his heart's breaking inside. I, I got I to gotta sacrifice my son. Think about all the things that he had to agonize over. See, the Bible gives this to us because God knows how hard it is when we go through tests. God does not just send a test to us and he's apathetic to it. He knows what it's like. So the Bible is just giving us a glimpse of what Abraham had to endure to get to the place where he had to sacrifice his son Isaac. Hallelujah. All right, let's keep reading. Look at verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son. I'm wondering how he bound Isaac his son, you know. He's preparing the wood, and all of a sudden, hey, Isaac, what's that over there? Oh, daddy, bam, oh. And then, you know, he had to knock him out. He had to probably do something. I don't wrestle him. I don't know. Hey, son, let's wrestle for fun. <laughs> there you go. I win. <laughs> daddy, what are you doing? <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know how he did it, but he bound his son. He got there. Doesn't tell us those details. It leaves it up to our imagination. That's all I'm doing. Hallelujah. Um, I don't know. It's not accurate. That's just my imagination. Uh, and then he bound his son on the altar on top of the wood. Now, that's uncomfortable, right? He's laying on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. I mean, Abraham is the real deal here. Uh, he's about to do it. It's not like... I mean, Abraham was... He was gangster. He was like, I'm going to do it! And Isaac, ah! I mean, it was a crazy scene. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! He said, here am I. So do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket 
by his horns. Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Hallelujah. You know, if you've ever been tested in your life, right? Or let's say, if you've ever been called by God, then tested in that same area, then once you've given up that thing, and then later on God gives it back to you through a provision, have you ever had that kind of experience? Your sense of call to, to that thing, whatever it is, you, once you get it back, your sense of call will be unshakable. Whether it's a job, a relationship, or, or, or ministry, or some kind of decision. Okay, let, me, let me tell you a story, right? Uh, when I came to Korea about three years ago, I had to give up my Isaac. I had to sacrifice my Isaac. And, and my Isaac was in my campus ministry. I loved and adored my Columbia University students. I was on campus like three, four days a week. I would counsel them. I mean, it was like one big happy family. I mean, they, they, I love them so much and they, and they love me back. They actually paid for my wisdom teeth. I got four wisdom teeth out. They paid the whole thing. Hallelujah. It was a wonderful family and a wonderful ministry that God had for me there. And I was only there for two years. At the end of those two years, God said, sacrifice your son Isaac. And I said, Lord, is that you? And God said, yes, it is. And so when God confirmed it, I knew that I had to give up Columbia Campus Crusade for Christ. Right? But the funny thing was, God was the one who called me to Columbia in the first place. So I'm like, God, you're the one who called me here. Now why are you telling me to give it up? And God's like, I didn't, I don't know, you know, tests come with no explanation. God, God's just like, I, I don't got to explain it to you. I'm God. Oh, you're right, Lord. So God called me to Columbia, and then later on, God told me to give up Columbia. I was all confused. I thought at least I would be there for four years to finish out a term, you know. Hallelujah. Then God made provisions to bring me to Korea. I mean, I'm talking about provisions. If you know my testimony, right, I raise support as a staff. I don't get paid by Camp Crusade. There's no central funds by which they disperse and, and provide for their staff. Each staff has to meet with individuals like yourself. Hallelujah. And we ask them for a commitment of $50, $70, $100 a month. Would you like to? Partner with me in my ministry today. And that's what I got to do with all these people, all strangers and friends and family. And I raise my own support. And that's not, that's not easy. But when I announced at my home church in New Jersey and told them, uh, I'm going to Korea. And I feel like God's confirming. He's making his provision for me. On that day, I made that announcement. There was an anonymous check that came in. And the treasurer was like, Christian, there's an anonymous check for you. And I was like, how much, how much is it? And he's like, it's $9,000. And I was like, are you sure it's not 900? Check the zeros. And they're like, no, it says it right there in writing, $9,000. That doesn't happen to me all the time. Okay. I wish it did. Okay. But God was making his provision and saying, look, because I was under a lot of credit card debt. 
And that was one of the reasons I kept telling God, Lord, I can't go to Korea. It's going to put me in more debt. I got to pay this off first, maybe later. And God's like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm sending you to Korea. Here it is. Bam! $9,000. A month later, I come to Korea. This guy named Wayne that I even never even met is just a friend of a girl that I led to Christ. This guy says, he hears about my ministry and says, I want to give a check to your, your ministry. He gives me $2,750. I never met the dude. Never made a presentation. He goes, here's a check. Sends it my way. And then when I got the check, I went to pay off the rest of my credit card bills. Because at NYU, by the way, if you, if you are poor and you want to go to NYU, right, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> As God says, you will lend and not borrow, okay? I mean, I've got to borrow a lot of money to go to NYU. Okay, uh, now, uh, hallelujah. Um, maybe God will give me another testimony for that. It's going to have to be a, a triple fold. Anyway, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I accrued all this credit card debt. So when I went to pay off the rest of my credit card debt, lo and behold, the rest of my balance after the $9,000 check, Right? I paid off a lot of stuff and I came to Korea. The, the move was pretty expensive. The balance was $2,700. God's like, keep the change. <laughs> I kid you not, man. He spoke that right in my heart. So, man, I, when I came to Korea, right? When things got a little tough, and when I didn't really know anybody, right? I was just taking a bus by myself, getting lost all the time. I'm a risk taker, so I like to take the bus. Uh, I mean, Korean, man, in Korea, if you don't know, the bus is crazy. And I was having a hard time. I was working with, like, much older folks in Campus Crusade. And they would t- send me to, like, Singapore and, like, and, and London. I would get to join in these meetings. But these are all old heads. They're, like, 50, 60, 70 years old. Right? Man, it was, like, it's like, it a little boring, you know? And I, it, was, it was hard, but I remember the provision of God. And my sense of call to Korea was so strong, no matter what happened, no matter what the devil said, no matter what hardship came my way, that sense of call was unshakable. Let me tell you another story. When I started to court Aaron, and I asked her out on a simple, casual date, and brothers, if you are interested in a sister, you first, you pray about it. You set apart a time, one month, two months, you fast and you pray about it. And if you feel like you have peace to go ahead and ask her out, okay, ask her out on a very casual date. Okay, don't take her out to some fancy, like, you know, $60,000, you know, $100,000 dinner, you know. I mean, 100000 won dinner. All right. Like, that's not the way you court a woman. The way you court a woman, you just take her out to a casual date, even like just coffee or something. Or, or just, you know, or just take her out to a lunch. A lunch is a little more casual than a dinner. You take her out, right? And then if you like her and she likes you back, then you just courtesy, you say, you know, I really enjoyed uh, this time with you, um, can I just ask you out on another date? Can we have lunch again sometime? All right. And then you go from there, right? You don't say, you're my wife. God told me so. Okay. Man, so many Christian brothers do that these days. And it's not, it's not golly. It's taking the Lord's name in vain. Okay. Just do casual. Be, you know, keep, give her, give, see, the, the heart of a woman is like a flower. You got to give it time to just bloom. Okay. But guys, they try to pull at the flower petals. They try to add more water. Right? Come on, brothers. You all done it. Hallelujah. But anyway, when I started courting Aaron, I uh, took her out on a date, had a wonderful time. I said, can I, can I take you out some other time? And she said, okay. You know, went on another date. 
And after about four dates, man, we were like really crazy about each other. And then so we, we wanted to get her parents involved because, we, we know, this is not a casual dating thing. We knew that if we were going to start dating, it would be toward marriage. And we were going to announce it to the church. You know, it would all be toward marriage, right? So we, we told her parents, right? And her parents heard about what I do as a Campus Crusade staff. Uh, they thought that, I, you know, I'm broke. They thought that, you know, I, would, I, I don't know. I don't know what they thought. But uh, they said no. They said no. So, so that really devastated me because I was like, God, I, th- I thought you were calling me to ask her out, right? So I did. And then now God is saying, give her up. So it, it, it got me all, what's going on? But I knew clearly God was saying, give her up. Will you sacrifice your Isaac? And for me at that time, it was, it was Aaron. So what I did was, all right, Lord, I will. And so I sat down with Aaron and we cried. <laughs> This is, this is the Lord's will, Aaron. This is, this is the way it must be. Let go! Ah! It was, it was an emotional breakup. But we, we had to like, we had to put her on hold and I, I just gave her up to the Lord and not knowing what would happen. Not knowing if her parents would ever open up their hearts. It was a strong no, you know. But hallelujah. Over two months after that breakup, God started making his provision. And God started to show us that he was bringing us together. And because our relationship, we went through that, the sense of call that I have to this marriage is unshakable. It's some hottie with a body. Right, comes all up on, you get, get, get girl, talk to the hand. I got my woman. Hallelujah. Alright, I will, the sense of call, with the body, hallelujah. Sense of call is strong to this marriage, brothers and sisters. A lot of young people don't have that. Why? Because they skip through those tests. They just want to hurry up. And so what God is trying to do, produce the steadfastness, perseverance to help your marriage, you just want to fast forward through it. You ever watch that movie Click? Right? It's like you have this remote control and then whenever God says wait, you just press fast forward. That's what we do as Christians. We skip over the tests of life. The testing of our faith. And there's no steadfastness. There's no commitment. Whenever God gives an assignment, they're fickle. They doubt it when things get tough. There's no sense of call. Hallelujah. The so brothers and sisters, this is the way God, God works. God gives you a call to something. Then God tests you in that area. And he, it's almost like he takes it away to the very thing he called you to. And then by his provision, he opens that door back up. Right? Like... Sister Angel, for example, she was just telling me real brief. I don't know if I got this accurate, but God called her to go to California, right, to go to Fuller Seminary. God called her to go there. She obeyed. She went there. And then just the circumstances was so tough. Like she just didn't know how things were going to work out. So in, in effect, she had to kind of give it up in her heart. And she, was, she had to be willing to just, just give it all up. And if the Lord, this is not the way it's going to work out. She gave it up, and then God, through his provision, opened up doors for her. 
to get a place, to get a car, to serve at a ministry, right? And Angel's sense of call to that church that she's at is strong. Right, Angel? Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because God brought her through that call, test, and provision process. My message for you today is just don't despise that. Don't despise that. Don't skip over. Don't fast forward it. God's trying to produce in you a sense of call, a perseverance, a steadfastness. So that you can be faithful to all the details of that assignment. Hallelujah. Look with me in verse 15. Let's keep reading. And then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. Hallelujah. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. Hallelujah. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. When your faith is tested... And you honor God with a wholehearted commitment. God puts a guarantee on your call. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. When you get tested, and and you don't just come through the test like stumbling and, oh, but you honor God like Abraham did with a wholehearted commitment. If you do that, God puts a guarantee on your call. Look, look, at, look at this again, right? It says in verse 17. I will what? Sure. Somebody say that. I will. Sure. I will. Sure. I will. Sure. I guarantee, God says. Where God said before, I will bless you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll multiply your offspring. Here God says, I will surely do it. Hallelujah. Because you have honored me. Oh, hallelujah, you better, you better know the guarantee is coming. Because of the heart of wholeheartedness you have. Oh, I'm guaranteeing your call. Every blessing, every promise will not be missed. Hallelujah. That is the way you get all the blessings of God. That's the way you get the guarantee of His perfect will in your life. You just stay wholehearted and committed to Him fully. And in through the test, through the test, you honor Him with the whole heart. Hallelujah. And this is good news because not only does he say, I will surely bless you, I will surely multiply you. He says, your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. Hallelujah. Somebody say possess. Possess, possess the gate of his enemies. That's a powerful imagery right there. Because back in the day, they would have to like lay a siege on the city to take it. And they would try to starve that city out. Right? And then the city would stay within the walls and try to guard the city. And hallelujah, once the siege went on for months and the people got hungry and the people had no water, what the armies would do, they would start banging the gates to get entrance into the city to overtake the city. And God is saying, your offspring will possess the gates, possess the gate of his enemies. Hallelujah. That is a powerful promise, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. That means not only is God going to deliver you from your bondage, but God's going to use you to deliver others from bondage. Amen? You're going to possess the gate of His enemies. Hallelujah. 
You're going to go to countries where the devil has been in charge, where the devil's authority has been established for so long. You're going to go to those countries and you're going to possess them gates. Hallelujah. At one point, this nation was under the enemy's control. For generations, God's grace had not touched this nation. But at the turn of the century, in the 1900s, hallelujah, God sent men and women who took hold of this kind of promise. And they went into Korea, even at the cost of their lives, to possess the gate of his enemies. Hallelujah. And that's why we are blessed today. And brothers and sisters, this blessing here in verse 17, this blessing is not only for Abraham, it was also for his children. Think about it. Now, every time after Abraham died, every time the family talked about him, you know what they talked about? I'll tell you what they talked about. Isaac would be like, man, your granddaddy was one gangster man. Like We were just on some hiking trip one day. And then he look over there. And I was like, yeah. And then, bam, he knocked me over the head. Next thing I know, I'm laying on top of some wood. And he's putting a knife up in the air. And I guess God told him to do it. And he was about to do it. Your granddaddy was gangster. And they'd be like, wow. And then, you know what happened? God provided this, this, this ram. And then he didn't have to kill me. And then this angel spoke to him again and said, surely I will bless you. My sons. That blessing that God gave to Abraham is for me, but it's also for you. Do you believe that? And you think every time that story got told, all the people of Israel, they had a sense of call. The people of Israel had a sense of call that was unshakable. Why? Because Abraham went through the test. And these blessings that was given to Abraham was not only for him, not only for his children, but hallelujah... This is also a generational blessing that is for the people of God today. Do you believe that? The Bible says we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. The promise that God will surely bless us. The promise that God will multiply our offspring. The promise that God will give us the gate of our enemies. That's ours. Somebody say, I'll take it. I receive it. I believe it. All right, hallelujah, that's enough. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Before I close this message, I want to I want to look at a couple of peculiar things here. Look at verse eight. Verse eight says, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Now what animal, four-letter animal, did Abraham just mention? Lamb. Like, man, lamb, right? Um, and verse 7, what four-letter animal does Isaac mention? Right? Behold the fire in the wood. But where is the lamb? Once again, Isaac says lamb. Abraham says lamb. But fast forward, look at verse 11. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a lamb? Uh Uh-uh. It's a ram. What kind of noise does a ram make? Wow, yeah. that's. I don't know either. 
But did you, did you, did it ever occur to you that Isaac and Abraham say lamb, but then God provided a ram? Hello? Did Abraham look at it and say, oh, that's good enough. All right, I'll just take the lamb. But did you, did you ever notice that? Lamb, but then God provides what? A ram. What's up with that? What's up with that? See, I believe that both Isaac and Abraham was prophetically speaking by the Spirit of God. This was a divine discrepancy that God put into the Bible. Hallelujah. Because what Isaac says, where is the lamb? And Abraham responds, God will provide for himself the lamb. Hallelujah. Prophetically, they were not speaking about just this situation. Hallelujah. Abraham, just look at the words he says. God will provide for himself the lamb. He's talking about another lamb, a lamb of God that he himself will provide. You see, when we think of this test here, we're glad that God doesn't give us a test like this. Why? Because in our minds, when we read this test, what do we think? This is a sick test. What kind of God asks you to sacrifice the very son that he blessed you with in your old age? This is sick. This test is sick. Come on. Everybody's thought that at one point. Come on. If God called you today to sacrifice your puppy, you'd be like, God, you, this is a sick test. <laughs> How much more your son whom you love, whom you even didn't think that you can even bring into the world through your wife, and you do. It's a sick test. But you see, brothers and sisters, this is also another divine discrepancy. Where Abraham did not go through with it, another father did. Where one son was willing or maybe got knocked over the head. Where Isaac the son was unharmed. Jesus the son was whipped. Punched. Slapped. And crucified. This sick test. Is intentionally placed. In the first book of the Bible. Foreshadow another test that will come to preface the coming of the Lamb, the Lamb that God Himself will provide. When Jesus started His public ministry, His cousin John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God 
Who takes away the sin of the world? You see, brothers and sisters, the lamb that God himself will provide, his name is Jesus. And this sick test that God told Abraham to do, God didn't have Abraham finish it. He did it himself by sending his only son. The Bible says here, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And 2,000 years ago, on the mount of the Lord, called a Calvary, God provided for himself a sacrifice to atone for sins that you and I had committed. He provided the provision to satisfy his own justice and anger against your sin. And brothers and sisters, as God develops your sense of call and he tests you, and the truth of the matter is sometimes we fail the tests that God brings our way. We neglect to see. We react in the flesh. Where we fail, Jesus did not. And it's because Jesus the Son He passed the test, the test of the cross. That's why we can claim this verse that we will surely be blessed. We can claim this verse that God will surely multiply our offspring. And hallelujah, physical children, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But we talk also about spiritual offspring. And we will also possess the gate of our enemies. Because all of these promises are yes and amen in the Lamb of God. You inherit all these wonderful promises and blessings because Jesus endured the ultimate test for you. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we are humbled. We are humbled when we look upon that mountain called Calvary. We are humbled at the foot of the cross. Father, Father, we know that God, you bring tests into our life. And sometimes... As you're developing our sense of call to a particular assignment or through a particular season. And you test us. God, it's so hard, Lord. And it's just so hard. And sometimes everything is a mystery and we don't, it's so abrupt and we don't know all the explanations, God. It's so, we, we, we're tempted to despise the test. We're tempted to reject the test. We're tempted to just respond in the natural or in the flesh, oh God. And when we feel that way, oh God, maybe you look up to that mountain, oh God, called Calvary. And say with the words of Abraham, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Hallelujah. And because Jesus passed every test that he was given, we know that in him, we can also have the victory. And it is his, it is his obedience that inspires ours, oh God. But it's not just inspiration, but it is obedience that enables us 
For apart from Him, we would be no hope that we would ever serve and obey You in our own devices. So today, Lord, we thank You for the cross. We thank You for the cross. We thank You for the tests of our faith. We thank you for the call that you put on our lives. And we thank you that not only do you give us the call, but you also develop our hearts and our commitments, our steadfastness, our perseverance, so that we will obey and go through with the call. Hallelujah. You are the Lord God. You are the God of grace. You are the God of mercy. It is from you and through you and to you that all things are they have and move and have their being. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We worship you, Lord. Jesus name amen